0: Hey, everybody, how you doing? I know the sheltering in place is probably driving you crazy. So when I ask that question, you probably grit your teeth and say, "Uh, Not going so well. You're probably feeling your sanity slipping just a little bit each day. You're probably looking around and going, Why did I have so many kids? I didn't know I was going to have to homeschool an 8-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old. And a 43-year-old, boy, you spaced him out. But you do, and you are, and uh, that's what's happening. You're sort of like uh, you're in charge of the house. Or if you have no kids, you're looking around and going, maybe I should have had some. It's lonely in here. Maybe I'll get a pet. Which, by the way, has been good. Uh, A lot of pet adoptions. So that's a positive thing that's come out of this. But I know it's a very tricky, weird uncertain time. So keep hanging in there. Keep homeschooling your kids. Keep not homeschooling the kids you don't have. Keep adopting animals. Keep eating healthy. And uh, don't... I know you want to, but don't sneak out and meet a friend for a little sexy fun. I wouldn't recommend that. That's a good friend, by the way. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Just wait. The sexy fun will... It'll be be happening again sometime soon. I predict January of 2025. Wait, maybe we should all be sneaking out. No, it's terrible. Don't do that. Stay safe. Keep washing things and uh, be patient. One thing I've noticed here in the apocalypse is you guys have some time on your hands. I'm getting a lot of letters and I appreciate all of them. Here's one right now from Denise from Sag Harbor, New York. Alex, in these uncertain times, hearing your honest and insightful conversations with talented artists each and every week certainly—see what I did there—brings immense comfort and joy. Oh, I guess. see. Yeah, I did. It took me a second. Uh, thanks for doing all you do. I was amazed at the outpouring of national response to the passing of John Prine last week. Seemingly, every newscast ended with an obituary to the now-fallen legend. I'm embarrassed to say I can't name a single song Mr. Prine wrote or performed. Where would you recommend a novice like me start? Do you have a John Prine top three for an amateur like myself? Thanks for any help, and please stay safe. Well, thank you, Denise. I appreciate your kind words. And yes, the passing of Mr. John Prine is indeed a massive loss. He was one of the all-time greatest American writers, Denise, and I put his work alongside Hemingway's or Raymond Carver's or F. Scott Fitzgerald's. And the fact of the matter is, it's hard for me to think of anyone who wrote with such narrative control and observational scope and poetic finesse. The guy was an absolute classic. So, yes, I'd be happy to give you a John Prine starter kit. Here we go. Uh, you got to start, Denise, with the first album. John Prine is the name of the album. The self-titled 1971 effort, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest albums ever recorded it is just a stone cold classic you can't go wrong uh the second recommendation i would give to you is i'll go chronologically here how about sweet revenge i think it's from 1973 that is an absolute monster of an album do that one then i would suggest uh bruised orange from 1978 and um again I can't even distinguish which of those albums is the greatest. They're all just fantastic. But John Prine, Sweet Revenge, and Bruised Orange. Get those three. Start there and uh, work your way forwards and backwards. And I think you'll be very pleased to dive into John Prine's discography. Interesting side note, many years ago, 25 years ago probably, I'm driving home at night after seeing a girl. Yeah, I had a a little sexy fun. We can look back at that with nostalgia. Um, I did, though, and I was driving back home, and there was a show on this radio station, which I somehow was getting. The clouds parted, and uh, the moon was angled a certain way, and I was beaming in this weird talk show from somewhere in the south. And it was super left of the dial, It was an interview with John Prine, and he was talking about his life, his art, how he writes, and it was just fascinating. I remember thinking to myself, you know what I want to do? I want to have a late night radio show where I talk to musicians about writing. And it turns out that's what I'm doing. But what I'm trying to say is the roots of this show started with that moment. And so um, I have John Prine to thank for a lot of things, including this program. And I should say one of my all-time favorite lines in a song or a poem or a novel was written by John Prine from Lake Marie. Here it is. You know what blood looks like in a black and white video? Shadows. I'm Alex Green. And this is Stereo Embers, the podcast.
1: Check this out. Sleeping, sleeping to the
0: the music of Hockey Dad, which features my guest today on the program, Zach Stevenson. Let me tell you a little bit about Hockey Dad and Zach Stevenson. So Ambrose Bierce once wrote this, In this world, one must have a name. It prevents confusion even when it does not establish identity. Some, though, are known by numbers, which also seem inadequate distinctions. Well, it would certainly be inadequate to describe Hockey Dad as a two-man band. Though numerically that may be true, that mere number minimizes the power, the melodic smarts, and the sheer scope of the sound of this Australian band. Comprised of singer-guitarist Zach Stevenson and drummer Billy Fleming, Hockey Dad is a band based on a lifelong friendship. In fact, Flanagan and Stevenson grew up on the same street, and they met when they were just three years old. As they got older, the two bonded over surfing and skating, and a love of 60s garage rock, surf rock and punk rock. That pretty much covers all the essential rocks. Their debut album, Baronia, is, for my money, one of the best debuts in recent memory, and its 2018 follow-up, Blend In, shook off the shackles of a sophomore slump by providing a brilliant and churning song cycle that was loaded with catchy choruses, thoughtful drum fills, and nimble indie rock smarts. The band's third long player, Brain Candy, will be out this July, And it builds on Hockey Dad's promise as one of the most exciting bands out there. The album has Pipeline Prowl, Scruffy Stomp, and Unforgettable Hooks. And it all adds up to one of 2020's strongest entries. Look, I love this band, and I love that their sound is expanding. They just keep getting better and better, and they were already great to start with. I caught up with Zach at his home in New South Wales, and just as I thought, he was a great guy. And this is a great conversation. So enjoy it. Me, And Zach Stevenson of Hockey Dad, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: just locked out of their houses now for the foreseeable future. But yeah, kind of the same as everywhere else.
0: So is it uh is that driving you insane or is that or is that okay?
2: Um a little bit of both. Depends on the day. At least we're super close to the beach so I can like run over and go for a quick swim on my own and get outside a little bit, which is good, but it's getting a little bit crazy.
0: Are you um are you not supposed to do that or is that okay?
2: I think right now it's okay if you're on your own, you're allowed to go out
0: and exercise
2: if it's close by. So I think that's okay right now, but it could change.
0: You seem like a guy who likes to be outside. I've watched your videos. You seem like a, a surf, skate kind of guy.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty much a surfer now. I don't skate anymore. I was never any good, but yeah, I just, we both love being outside.
0: Yeah, this is, well, I'm in California. I'm, I'm uh, just outside of San Francisco. I'm sort of in, uh, kind of in the Berkeley area um and uh i'm an outside guy too it's it's weird to be confined to the house
2: yeah it's kind of it's maddening and like you know you, you want to go outside so bad but you obviously no you can't we've not knowing when it's going to end and if we'll ever be able to go outside again
0: <laughs> yeah you guys are one of my favorite bands and i was excited to see you here in california i was going to make a little track and see you and that's not going to happen now how has that been for you um scrapping that that tour has that been emotionally pretty tough
2: yeah just kind of really disappointing we were looking forward to come back over especially to the states we haven't been there in a little while we did a full tour of canada at the end of last year right so we really like keen to get back and we were playing some really nice venues we'd never done before and like i was super excited we had a good crew coming over yeah it's just strange to have to just completely wipe a whole tour and like we would have been on it right now and just to be sitting at home You kind of get the tour bug like you get the itch and you want to go back out and yeah it's it's a real bummer it's just super disappointing but i guess it's just getting us more excited when we can go back out to and make the most of it i guess
0: yeah i mean like what's the psychological toll of that i mean do you guys what do you do do you regroup and and practice harder do you take a break like you know how what, what does that look like for you sort of dealing with what's happened It is weird.
2: It's kind of hard to know what to do as well because we could, it's even hard to rehearse now. I mean, we can't even rehearse. We can't be like around each other. So we're kind of just locked down. There's nothing to do. We're kind of just waiting it out with everybody and just trying to keep busy, trying to just write and do whatever we can. But it's really strange. Yeah, it's hard to know what to do, whether to double down and just rehearse. But yeah, it's kind of hard to
0: get together at this point. You guys, being a duo, I mean, you guys probably are together all the time.
2: Yeah, most of the time. We don't live together, though, so you're allowed to go over and just see your friends right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we probably get together and rehearse, which is which is a bummer.
0: And the alternative way of doing that, like you and I are talking on Zoom, um, I imagine for musicians there might be a little bit of a delay. I imagine that it's probably impossible to do it that way.
2: Yeah, I think rehearsing is would be pretty pretty impossible to do over... Over this kind of thing but it's it's sweet for collaborating and if we're just writing and sending ideas it's just as good as anything else it's probably the best way to do it for us so I guess that's pretty much what we're just going to focus on is writing new material while we're here and just playing around with new stuff that's pretty much all we can do from our rooms
0: are you no you know you could do is you could have him stand across the street and you could stay in your driveway you guys could play that way
2: yeah, I guess that works. You just turn everything up. It's definitely loud enough. <laughs> right.
0: I mean, you probably don't live too far from each other.
2: No, I think if I turned up my amp to 10, he might be able to hear it from, <laughs> him, yeah, from my house. Try that. Uh, Try that and see if it works. Are, yeah. you,
0: are you feeling particularly creative right now, or is it hard to get the juices flowing, or like, what do you do?
2: Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of business as usual, but I think being home and not having anything to do, I'm trying to push myself to be a bit more creative and like spend the time wisely. So that kind of maybe puts a little bit more pressure on yourself to even come up with things. But I've I've been writing probably a little bit more than I usually do because there's nothing else to do. Don't know if any of it's good. But um, yeah, I think like just being at home and putting a little bit of pressure on yourself makes a difference. But um hopefully we can just keep at it and keep busy and try to pump some stuff out
0: i mean the rhythm of everything has totally been screwed up so if you guys were touring and then you'd sort of you know you'd be thinking about new ideas you come home you write you rehearse you record you tour now it's sort of like you've got this new album coming out and instead of touring you're writing another one on top of it
2: yeah it's super weird like that thinking about that Kind of so early where these songs on the new record really haven't even been played live that much and we haven't spent a lot of time with them and to be already thinking about like trying to yeah just write new songs just seems a bit strange as well yeah
0: it's very weird and i imagine that you you're dying to play these songs in a live setting and see how they go over
2: yeah definitely i was super excited because we just got a touring bass player now with us uh he's done a few tours and this was going to be our first american trip And the live set is sounding so fun and all the new songs sound awesome. The ones that we've played, the ones that we haven't, yeah, we don't know. We were just so excited to get out there and and get them really tight and show everybody. And now we just have to wait for another, what, like three or four months until we can even play them again. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating and weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Was there ever a moment where you guys thought about postponing the release of the album?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think so. We've been talking about it. We're still not sure exactly what we're going to do we just have to kind of see what the situation does and then plan accordingly yeah but i mean it, it obviously makes a big difference um when it's going to come out around touring now and i think a lot of people in the world i think music has kept everybody busy a little bit but it's hard to i think a lot of people are getting finding it hard to get excited about new music right now in this current situation So you've got to kind of tread carefully and find a way to catch people's attention and do it at the right time. Yeah. So it's a uh, seesaw kind of thing. We're still trying to figure out when we're going to actually release the album. Uh, Because it's not out in Australia, right? No, we've just put some singles out. We have a new single still coming out in a couple of weeks.
0: And so the planned release date in America is in early May or late April. Late April was the planned release date. Yeah. 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 Man, it's frustrating. I really feel for you. And you know, it's also that's a revenue stream for you. This is your job, and it's sort of like you know, your job is now you know, you've got to hit the pause button. Is there ever a moment? You don't seem like a guy who panics, but is there ever a moment where you go, "God, I should have been a lawyer." Is there ever that moment where you where you wonder about the career you've chosen, or do you or are you pretty mellow about it?
2: Yeah, I worry about that pretty much every day. I worried about that before this whole <laughs> virus thing was even around. <laughs> Just wake up and be like, "Shit, did I even make the right decision?" If you're sitting around doing nothing, and you, the further and further it goes along, you're like, "Shit, it's really going to be a while before we can actually get back to work and start making money again." It's sitting there in the back of your head, and maybe I'll have to, maybe I've been looking at some online courses. Maybe I'll have to get get into something else.
0: Yeah, it does make you wonder about <laughs> about your career choices, right? It's sort of like, "Oh man, uh, nothing like a pandemic to to ruin a band."
2: Yeah, exactly. It's it's just the worst timing. But a lot of people, a lot of other people are suffering as well. People with regular jobs. Yeah. So I still true. like to look on the bright side. At least I don't have a cool job anymore. But I could have had a bit worse job and then got fired. Right. That's true. I mean,
0: not right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> were, were your were your parents initially supportive of you? Because um, you got in pretty young um were they supportive of you going into music as a career or were, were they concerned
2: Ah, uh, yeah they were always supportive both my my dad's parents his mom and dad they were professional musicians their whole life so I think my parents kind of knew that there was a possibility to be able to live off it and make it a career and I think I was just so passionate about it and so driven at that time they were, probably couldn't stop me anyway right <laughs> I think they were just on board <laughs> and yeah, we were doing well, so they kind of just went, all right, go for it. We can always go back, such as now. Go back and do something else or find another job. But, yeah, I think they were always, they've always been super
0: supportive of it. What kind of musicians were uh, your grandparents?
2: Uh, they were in a jazz band. My grandmother played piano and sung, and my grandfather sings and plays drums.
0: Wow. So there's, there's music in the blood
2: yeah yeah there always has been my dad plays drums and my dad's a good singer but he doesn't like to say that but it's always been around which is good
0: I got into you guys a couple of years ago that you were a big band of horses fan. Um and I was playing, I was playing you guys on my radio show next to Band of Horses and uh, a lot. And um there there definitely are some similarities, but what Australian bands specifically kind of rang your bell when you were growing up?
2: Um uh, when I was growing up, definitely bands like the Living End. Mm-hmm. Uh who else? British India were really really good band that we like, they were in a lot of surf movies that we were watching when we were growing up. So they were kind of the first Australian bands and songs from that time that we first got into that weren't like, you know, ACDC or the angels or something. So those bands and then bands like UMI and Paul Kelly, bands that kind of my dad was listening to and put me onto from a young age. Yeah. From Australia. Those, those were kind of the big, they're the big four for me then.
0: Yeah, UMI are just tremendous, aren't they? And what a band. Yeah, they're
2: probably my favorite Australian band of all time, I think.
0: Yeah, and Tim Rogers is just ridiculous as a songwriter. I mean, he is, um, I got his solo, his first solo record, and I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, you know, I love UMI because they, they, they sound like the jam. They have that sort of stompy kind of catchy replacements kind of thing. But the solo record was like this rootsy. Anyway, the guy can do no wrong.
2: Yeah, he's really amazing. He can write any kind of song. He's covered so many bases. and he's done like his stuff with um the bamboos was amazing as well. Yep. He's just a he's a king of Australia. He's so good.
0: I know that um some of these guys like like um Paul Kelly is, you know, a, a personal favorite of mine too. Um and he can fill a club here, but he's relatively unknown in, in the States. But I know that he's like a national treasurer in Australia.
2: Yeah. I read his book and he would always talk about touring in America and there'd be like a hundred people at the show or playing small clubs. And I was always just amazed by that because he is like a godfather in Australia and one of the biggest like acts that we've ever produced. And like, I think he's just, yeah, everyone in Australia thinks he's the greatest and can sell massive rooms. And I don't know, I never understood why it didn't translate in America, but then I don't know, a lot of things don't, it's got that Australian accent is talking about, you know christmas day in the hot sun and maybe it's just not relatable enough
0: like it's funny because in some ways like the band blur never got huge in america because i think they were they were too british whereas oasis they weren't they weren't um and you know paul kelly is very australian whereas midnight oil maybe they not as australian they were more i don't know what it is it was more of like a universal appeal um, not
1: as regional.
2: It could be the other way as well, as in Blur were English, but Oasis was so English that it appealed to the American audience. That's <laughs> true, yeah. And Blur were just very English. Yeah. And it just, but maybe that's the way in Australia, like you see bands like Hammel um, and the Snippers popping off in America, which is awesome. And it's because they're just so Australian. And it's like kind of appealing.
0: Yeah. Maybe it goes that way as well. That's a good point. We had, you know, the Hoodoo Gurus were big here for a couple of years. They had a couple of good years and in, in maybe two or three years in the States where they were kind of big.
2: Yeah, they're one of my favorite. The Strain bands as well, they were so good. I didn't know that they'd um, done well in America. I never really um, looked into how well they did. I don't know why I should be looking into how well bands <laughs> did in America, but yeah, I didn't know about
0: that. You mean in your studies, you didn't find out that the Hoodoo Gurus yeah, did yeah. well in
2: 1989? I on Wikipedia all day, look up charting.
0: <laughs> these are things that I I've been dying to talk about to somebody. I've never had a chance to bring them up until now.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much what I like to talk about all day. It's good.
0: Yeah. Me too. Yeah. The hoodoo gurus in 89, they had an, uh, the blow your cool record um, did really well here with like, what's my scene. They had like the bangles on the record and um, they were on a major American label. They were on Electra. And uh, anyway, well now I'm just showing off with my knowledge, um, <laughs> but uh Anyway, you know, I, one thing I love about Hockey Dad is it felt to me like when you guys started, there was a kind of looseness. Like you guys were out of the box. You knew who you were. And you guys were loose, and yet you were swinging for the fences. And you were, you know, that first album is so great, um, start to finish. Did, did you feel like a creative burst? And were you worried that you wouldn't be able to apprehend that same energy for your future work? Or did it just keep going?
2: Um, I think yeah, there probably was a bit of a burst, but a lot of the first record uh, was kind of accumulated over time. A lot of that record, and it maybe like over like two or three years, that first record kind of came together. So I th- I think I felt more of a burst on the second record during Blend In after we'd finished that record and got all the accumulated work out of the way over a few years, and we could get in and do a record from start to finish in one go. I think that's where I kind of felt. I was ready to start pushing it and ready to like kind of take it on.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you Do you feel an evolution in your writing? Do you feel that things are 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 changing, they're evolving?
2: Yeah, I think so. Just the approach to writing songs, and I'm trying to approach it differently and try new things and listening to a lot of different genres i I fell in love with country music maybe like a year and a half ago, so that's kind of been a big influence on songs now. Yeah, it's always kind of changing. I think if you write, this, write songs the same way, they'll always be the same.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll make the same you'll make the same record over and over again, which you don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. right. Now, first of all, who got you into country music? I'm not
2: sure. I can't really remember. It was a grey area in my memory. A few years ago, I think it was one of the first times we went. We did a tour of the states. We were playing with a few bands. Like, you know, drove through Texas, drove through Nashville, got that feel, and I kind of just started to dig into, like, kind of what I knew already, which wasn't much. And I think out of, like, Spotify and YouTube are, like, the greatest inventions of music's history, really, when you can just figure out so much so quickly. And I think I just fell into a little hole. And you'd spend, like, eight hours a day driving on the road, and I think I'd just listened to country songs the whole time. I just got super into it
0: who were you listening to
2: um a lot of marty robbins mel haggard buck owens is like a favorite um who else call my twitty is good jolly parton loretta lynn is probably my favorite yeah just the classics
0: did um yeah those are the classics did you was there ever a moment where you went wow i'm listening to country music <laughs> how did this happen
2: yeah definitely it had such a weird taboo thing maybe like 10 years ago, especially, I don't know, like in kids, like when we're like 17, you don't want to go to a party with Buck Owens on. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think I just fell in love with the simplicity of it and the effectiveness of it. And I just realized that it was actually really cool. And once you read up about country musicians' lifestyles, you're like, these guys were actually rock and rollers
0: all the people you named especially people like marty robbins um those are storytellers and so did you find that your love of country music informed the the narratives of the songs that you're writing
2: yeah possibly i've 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 been trying to write more yeah narrative based songs and it's it's actually really hard to do i'm not that good at it it's hard i've just been yeah i've definitely been inspired by people like marty and guys like that and it's definitely changed the way that I've written or just given me a, a few more ideas and ways of approaching a song that aren't just the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus.
0: Yeah, th- and those narratives are hard to write because they don't seem to be about you, right? They're sort of like, you're writing about characters.
2: Yeah, that's it. And it's, it's hard to, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to just capture, it's easy to capture a moment that you wanna write about Fleshing that story out and keeping it interesting and engaging is really hard to do. I think.
0: Tell me about your partnership in the band. It's it's pretty cool because it's it's a democracy, but it's a small democracy. And you're you know you're bringing aboard a um, bringing aboard a, a a new bass player who I guess you, you've known you've known this guy right?
2: Yeah, he's played bass on all of our records. Okay. And he was there for the writing of this record and helped us out with a little bit of that. So he's kind of been almost a third member, but yeah, just been playing live with us now.
0: And his, his inclusion in, in the whole thing, um, it doesn't feel like it, like it disturbs the sort of rhythm that you guys have established.
2: No, I think especially at the studio, the three of us always had a good connection going. And it was just, it kept building like that in the studio and it was sounding good. And I think the discussion was if we would ever get a bass player, it would always be Steve and i think like he he was clicking with us before we'd even thought about it and then once we like practiced for the first time it was never really an issue and he's got such a good personality he just fits in really well with all of us is he the same age as you guys no he's a bit older than us he's, mm. yeah i don't know exactly how many years
0: he's quite older than us why did you feel that you guys needed the bass player in, in other words what was it about The sound of hockey dad live or on the record where you went maybe the bass would be a cool thing to include or was there ever a discussion about doing it without it
2: i think it just got to the point of the live show where we wanted to be able to flesh out songs a little more and make them more dynamic and with the new material it kind of lent towards needing a bass player especially with songs like i missed out like new singles that were had a like a set bass line and a set guitar line. It was kind of almost impossible to do that justice live. Yeah. And I think we wanted to like keep it, keep it fresh, the live show and keep ourselves interested and put another dynamic in there and shake it up a bit. And it's like the live shows now have been more fun than they've been in a long time.
0: Did it give you more freedom creatively on stage? like, can you do more stuff? Can you, does it give you the freedom to sort of um, not improvise, but maybe, maybe, um, take the pressure off of you because he's holding he's holding an element of the song down and it can kind of ease pressure off of you
2: yeah I think it's helped my performance so much in all of our songs just having that extra backup there being able to go off on a bit of a tangent and like you know do a song differently every night but keep it tight I think it's helped us a lot it's freed me up to be able to deliver songs better vocally and like, like
0: top enough. yeah yeah and, and i also wonder about when all this pandemic stuff is over you know when, when the end of the world has ended um and you guys reschedule the tour let's say you reschedule it for like i don't know june or july which is summer over here which is not which is getting towards the winter for you so you'd be happy to be in a, in a yeah. environment um is there a concern about the safety of it you know where it's sort of like yeah it's gone but is it gone is it is it safe to get on a plane? Is has there been discussions in your family about, let's, let's really think about that?
2: Not really. I haven't had much of a discussion about that at all. I just don't think we've been thinking about it at all. I think once we, it's more of a we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, if we book these dates and we get on the plane, I think it will be pretty
0: hard to stop us, I think. So I don't
2: know, <laughs> it might sound bad, but I think we'll just be coming over anyway.
0: Do you find that you're a pretty prolific writer? Um, Or are you a guy who can put it down for a few months or do you or do you really stay stay on it?
2: I try to stay on it, but yeah, I don't think I'm very prolific I'll go through bursts and then go through dry spots. I'm kind of like that I've never been a person to write like five songs a week every week It's always been like I don't know maybe one song a week, maybe three songs a week, maybe none for two weeks
0: It just they come when they come so you don't schedule it. You don't say Monday at four, I'm writing.
2: I try to, but then I sit down and I just get so sidetracked. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll go, I want to write something and something will come out and other times it just won't. Sometimes I'll write something and then have to go sit down to finish it.
1: Mm.
0: Tell me, tell me your strength that you think, like what, what is one of your strongest points as a songwriter and what do you think is one of your weakest points? I
2: don't know. That's a good question. I've never thought about that. Um, jeez
0: that's a good question here i'll tell you what i'll tell you mine and and then i'll let you think about because i'm a writer i'm not a musician but i'm I'm a writer and for me my greatest strength is that i know i know what belongs in the work right so so if something shows up that is like an image or a word i know it doesn't belong and so my strength now is i know how to keep that stuff out um but yeah. my, my weakness, I think, is that I tend to, to do the things I do well. I tend to kind of like uh, do the, I overdo them because they're easy for me. And so, you know, it's sort of like uh, I do the same thing over and over again. And I have to stop myself from doing that. Right.
2: Yeah, I can definitely um, relate to that. Yeah, knowing what you're good at or knowing you can do it, it kind of pushes you down that road to just get the work done and get it done. Yeah, maybe I, I do, maybe I like the ability to push myself sideways a little bit and try and really change it up. But I guess it's, yeah, it's what I've been working on, really.
0: What, what I like about you is that is that, you know, coming to Hockey Dad so young, I like the fact that you knew who you were so early in your life. You know, it wasn't like, some people, you know, at 65 decide they want to be an actor and they leave their stockbroker job. Uh, but you knew early on that music was your thing. Um, And a lot of my my listeners are young musicians who are sort of want to enter a life in in art and music and um, entertainment. So can you talk a little bit about how you knew that? How did you self-identify as being a musician? How old were you and how sure were you that you were right? How did you know? I think
2: it was probably once I got into the scene maybe in Wollongong or like once we'd sort of broken a little bit and got into the scene and met other bands and met people from other bands. And I realized how much I identified with the community. And I met my best friends that I have now throughout this community. And it kind of locked me down. And I thought, this is where I want to be. This is, I never want to leave this space, I think.
0: So the the idea that you found like-minded people. I think so. Yeah. And that was it.
2: And I found people that wanted to do the same thing and, I was locked in. I think it, like I learned, I went to School of Rock when I was 10 and the guitarist's name was Zach and it like blew my mind. And I think that was pretty much when I decided I was probably 10 years old. But then when I finally committed and realized that this was happening and I was ready to take it on, it would have been when I met people around me that were like that and I met some good people, I was, I was locked into that community and I was super psyched to
1: be there.
0: Well, I did not see the Marty Robbins thing coming. That was cool. Uh, Good chat with Zach Stevenson of Hockey Dad. Uh, Their new album is incredible. It's one of my favorites of the year, and uh, you should buy it. If you haven't heard their other albums, get those too. HockeyDadBand.com will do the trick. Go there and find out when they're going to come back to uh, the touring life. God knows when that's going to happen. I have no idea. Our bands going to get back on airplanes? Our bands going to get back on buses? Are bands going to get back in vans? (laughs) It's turning into a Dr. Seuss uh, book. Uh, Bands in vans. Um, Look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope Hockey Dad will come to a city near you. Check out my website, alexgreenonline.com. Lots of news uh, will be coming out of my uh, neck of the woods, we can call it. Okay, let's call it that. Uh, Very soon, lots of uh, book news. I have a new book coming out. Details forthcoming ad nauseum. Trust me. Yeah, get ready for me to not shut up about it. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast. Or you can email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. That's right. You can get us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So go ahead and uh, subscribe away. It's free Please leave us a nice comment and uh, maybe a rating if you have the time. It would mean a lot. All right, let's close the show with another new song from Hockey Dad's new album, Brain Candy. This is In This State. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.
1: want to feel space in your brain. want to take up some real.